This morning, the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution guarantees marriage equality. Open relationship, but how do you tell your partner about it? <laughs> what a journey, right? But we still need to change. We need to listen. And I'm here to learn. Welcome to Dear Queer People. People. Hey folks, I'm Carlos Brand and welcome to another episode of Dear Queer People and I have to say that I'm very excited about this episode because um, he was one of the first person that I actually started to follow once I moved to the United States. Uh, also, he's one of the first persons that I met uh, in terms of people that you follow on Instagram or people that you follow on social media. I was like, I know this guy. And we have friends in common as well and then we run into each other a couple of times. And once I create this whole idea of doing this podcast, he was one of my first names on the list to actually sit down with him. And for me, I am just thrilled because I think his mind is brilliant. I think he speaks his mind in a very raw, direct way. And I'm just giving him a lot of flowers because he's sitting down next to me. But Evan Katz is with me here. Hi, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Oh, I'm just a sweetheart. Uh, that's it. <laughs> So um, one of the things that I love about this is um, that we're sitting down on my couch and we're just talking and once he arrived, we're drinking coffee, drinking tea, and we just start to talk and talk and talk and I decide to, um, hey, let's just press record because this is going like natural and, and, and that's it. Um, so Evan is a journalist, but most important, he's very smart, clever. He's on top of a lot of things that is going on in, in our culture as well. And he speaks his mind. He's very raw, direct, like I said, but unapologetic. I'm going to say that. Why you're like this? Thank you uh, <laughs> for saying all of those lovely things. Uh, I would say, though, I am apologetic, though. I the one title I will reject among those is like I do apologize when I feel that I've misspoken or I feel like people that are unapologetic are not receptive to criticism or I feel like that's the inherent uh, meaning I take away from the term unapologetic okay. and I actually I feel quite apologetic quite often um, because I feel like because I'm so often reacting to things in real time um, I make a ton of mistakes, whether it be typos or uh, misidentifying a designer in a garment. That happens quite often. And so um, what better way to sort of remedy a situation than to apologize? Well, that is kind of true, though. But at the same time, I think unapologetic in the terms of you speak your mind. Um, Evan has a very strong platform when it comes with social media. And when it comes with uh, pop culture, let's call it that way, uh, uh, with shows, with celebrities, and I think you are the kind of journalist that actually can speak his mind and is not looking to be polite, like I was saying to you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my intention is not to be impolite, but I feel uh, particularly with regards to... LGBTQ content coverage, I mean, whatever you want to call it, the the reaction or response or reporting on 
LGBTQ goings on, I feel like often there is a treacliness uh, about the way things are covered that I kind of just so often smell bullshit that for me, I, people often say, oh, like I call things out. Um, that's not like my intention, but like just sometimes I see something and I'm like, this is being framed a certain way. And that is such a, a inaccurate framing. Cause I feel like the role of a journalist is to frame things or to center things. That's sort of like the role, right? I feel like the posts that I do that get the most response are sometimes it'll just be me sort of setting up what had happened in a situation. And then I feel like people really respond well to sort of being like, oh, this is, uh, you know, I'm thinking for instance about the Ellen DeGeneres Dakota Johnson clip. <laughs> that to me was really funny. Which it was hilarious, I have to say. But required context, right? And I think I'm always learning like, even though to me it's like the whole point of this is that it doesn't it doesn't it require context I actually realize that it's only funny because I know all the context inherently so it actually does need context to the casual viewer and that the content will be enjoyed by more people with uh, context provided um, yeah but I mean like so I, I think again centering things context but I think often with queer things it's just like you see something and you're like you see something, say something. <laughs> yeah, or you, you see everyone praising something and you're like, wait a minute, not only do I feel like this shouldn't be praised, I feel like this is problematic. And sometimes I have to sit on it and, and think about, okay, well, like, why is it problematic? Because sometimes I don't even know. I just have a gut reaction. Um, but I always try, I actually do try and really adhere to this. I try and take, I try and sleep on it often. If it's like, if I'm, really revved up about something to sort of be like, okay, what am I really responding to? And what will my, I hate the term followers. What will my community, community. yeah. What will my, what will my community <laughs> glean from me speaking about this? Well, I think also uh, one of the things that we were talking about is the fact of, yeah, that community. Um, Evan builds a platform and we all build a platform somewhere or somehow on social media and whatever you're putting out there, um, it depends of who you are. Uh, it can be an illusion. It can be part of who you are. Um, with Evan, it's things that he cares, that he loves, that he admires, um, and he covers that um, somewhere or somehow. He built a really good community let's call it that way um so one of the reasons when we were talking and I invite him to to the podcast um i said well you are very into pop culture so let's break down gay culture and he went back to me and say hey you know what i had this idea uh, let's talk about third straps let's talk about this type of part of our culture as well that you are part of it that you put out there and let's break that down. And I kind of love that because for me it was kind of like a challenge, um, especially with you that uh, that you speak your mind no matter what. Um, so why you decide to to bring that up? I don't know. I, I feel like very. I feel like you have a, a very strong point of view about it that you want to share. It's not even that. It's that when you approached me about doing this, I, this was in the middle of. I was dealing with a situation in which I was in a public and private, uh, I don't want to say feud, that's kind of inflating the situation, but like uh, back and forth with uh, Instagay. And you invited me on this and I was looking at your Instagram and I was like, Carlos posts a lot of thirst traps. And I was like, I think it'd be really interesting 
to dialogue with you about this very subject just because how often am I afforded the opportunity to sit down with someone who posts them? And I think that um, I don't have any problem at all with thirst trappery, the art of thirst trappery. Same. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And I just thought it could be a cool conversation to have because I feel like we're in a time right now where there's this, uh, I actually wrote about this for The Advocate a long time ago, but this idea of like the woke thirst trap, um, there, this, I saw like the beginnings of this after the election, there were several instigates that posted these shirtless pictures the morning after the president was elected. Um, Saying what? I want to pull them up right now because I don't want to like misquote them. If you get a chance, just Google I don't want to Google my name and the advocate. It's like, I think I've written two articles or three articles for them. It's one of those articles. Um, But it's kind of like, I was really fascinated by this idea of the bait and switch of, of woke thirst traps, which is here are my tits. Yeah. Here's my body. Here's what I, here's what, what I look like. And, and here's my muscles or stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think that that's for? Because I have my own perception about it. I actually have my I have a bigger perception about it when I was talking with a really good friend, um, and he's an entertainer, um, Shaquita Hall, and we were in dinner, and and I, I sit down with him to talk, and he went raw, and he makes me think about it. He called me in, like like you were saying with Angelica. Uh, so I have a, my point of view that I want to share with you. But what do you think? Like, why do you think that we as a gay man, we're looking that attention for it? I mean, I kind of want you to answer that okay. first. Okay, cool. Uh, so um, my thing with that is the fact of... Um, I don't know. Well, I was talking with him in that, in that time, and, and the fact was... Um, completely attention but at the same time you believe that you are valid because of your body and in that moment he breaks down the fact of of course like any other person we are we're insecure as a human beings so the insecurity that you don't have anything else to show and then you got attention because of your body in one first instant and then you think that that's what you have okay so when I start this um, social media, Instagrams and stuff like that, um, of course I get a lot of attention. And then once I move to New York, in a white supremacy spectrum of white boys and very American boys, and I am a, a, a caramel skin guy with an accent and tall, and finding his own voice or way. Uh, I get a lot of attention as well. So, of course, you, you're looking that acceptance, you're looking that validation. But one point that I can take from that conversation with him was the fact that I was insecure enough to believe that I don't have any other talent than my own body. Can I pause you? Yeah, of course. So, <clears throat> I'm curious because you mentioned your caramel skin and white supremacy. And I'm just curious... Uh, what percentage of the time when people comment or slide into your DMs are you feeling fetishized? I think not all the time now. I used to a lot. And then there was a point that I stopped and I said, I'm a little tired of it. Um, Because also it's, it's a way of getting to know yourself. Like people don't realize that social media is a way of 
knowing yourself as well. Um, I do my own content or sometimes I ask for a favor for a friend or to someone to press the button in the, in the camera. And but I, I, I used to get to know my body and the way I look and, and my angles and stuff like that. I'm not a model. I'm actually also a journalist and 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 I didn't know till it happens. So it was a way of actually say, well, I think I'm more than this or I think I can showcase a different side. I just don't know how. So in one point, what it bothers me because I, I just was a stereotype, a stereotype by it, which I get it. And then I realized that I've been, I was building a platform, call it platform or following a community that I was just looking to see that. Yeah. And then I, I and then, and then I realized I just don't want to be that guy. I just don't want to be the guy that people are just following and has 200,000 followers or build a community or build something because they would just want to see your crotch or they want to see your nipples or whatever you can show with all due respect. So I started to switch that and then um, my friends coming about it, um, boyfriend coming about it to actually showcase more. I start to dress more. I start to switch that a little bit. And actually thanks to that is because I want to create this because I was like, okay, what can I do with what I have right now? So I'm not a dancer. I'm not an actor. Um, I don't sing, but I like to talk. And one of the things that, yeah, and one of the things that I I found curious when I moved to New York was the fact that I was asking a lot of questions about everything, about life, about therapists, about body shaming, about uh, depression, about sex, about a lot of stuff. So uh, going back to your question, I believe that before it was a lot, it was the 80% of my messages. Right now it went down they're still there for sure but it went down i just think that's interesting because <clears throat> i'm always fascinated by sort of like the goings on in the dms of instagays do you first of all actually let me ask you are you comfortable with me calling you an instagay um i think i'm not taking personally i mean i am um i, I i'm no one uh and then i have these thing that people invite me or to events or to premieres or to red carpets i'm like who am i to be there because I have a number on a social media platform that I don't own. It doesn't matter that the content is there. Um, so yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I just want to be clear though, when I use that title, I don't mean it in any no, incendiary way, but I understand I that there can be um, a connotation associated with it, but I just want to be clear that I don't. I see it as a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think that there are people that are instigays and do it fabulously and tremendously and I think that there are instigays that do it problematically just like there are that exists that spectrum exists sort of within any uh, sub community yeah no I'm totally agree um, and that's why I'm creating this because I was uh, I wanted to do something more besides showcasing myself on photos because that also can be for ego do you need attention do you need validation and also that yeah it fills your ego uh, to have an attention that actually is not real and after three days it's gonna go away you know um, but actually, I, I've been receiving messages uh, from people from around the world to actually say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. Or I feel inspired to go back to the gym or to live or what do you do? Or, or hey, I love the, the fact that you're putting together a project to help your community or stuff like that, which I receive or the a thousand big pics that you can receive as well. <laughs> can I ask you a personal question? Yes. So when pe okay, so let's say you post a thirst trap and a guy responds in the DM with dick pics and he's like a really good looking guy. How do you sort of navigate that that you've been 
sexualized completely and sort of you have this sort of a unique situation to be in which is like how to come back i feel like this is a very unusual sort of situation but very of this moment yeah which is sort of like how do you respond to you getting baited or wait your baited thirst trap catching the prey i don't know you know these terms it depends. Uh, sometimes you engage, sometimes you don't. I'm not a fan of dick pics. Uh, don't get me wrong, I have them for sure. I'm not a saying I've been sending them for sure. But also, first, um, the first thing that I thought all the time is that I don't have escape with a dick pic. If it's not a close-up of my dick, uh, <laughs> I just have tattoos everywhere. So once it's out, it's out, period. It's not that I'm afraid that something is gonna surface if it happen, happens, but for me, it is, it can be hot in the moment if the guy's good looking and maybe he's living in the same city, for, but for me, it's, uh, okay, if you're in the same city, let's just meet, let's get a drink or let's get a coffee or invite me to your house. This exchange of, oh, you show me first and then I show you once and then I show you this and then I send you a video, it's like, where are we going? Yeah. You know? So in some part before a couple of years ago, of course, it was exciting, Right now, it's just, meh, it excite me, sure, but not in the same way. So in those moments, I can be, I can say, hey, <laughs> nice dick, or I can just not reply. Also, it depends on the people, and, and, and I think the good thing about social media is like you can go right away into their profile, if, if it's an open profile, and you can see kind of like the type of person that, he, that this person is. Uh, or judge a little bit by the cover and you can see how actually you want to engage or not. Do you have any... So say as a fellow Instagay messages you with dick pics, um, are you any more inclined... And I really want you to think about this because I think it's easy to give one answer, but are you ever more inclined to engage with a, with somebody else due to the their following? Um, no, I don't care about the following at all. Um, I just, I, I'm all the time care about how the people can get to know me. I don't want to be that guy that, yeah, I'm into sex. Yeah, I, of course, I, I hook up with people, but I don't want to be the guy that is known because he hooked up already with the half of Manhattan or the half of the city, you know? And I don't care and I don't see if you have 100,000 followers or 100. Literally don't care. Um, I care more about the approach. Uh, sometimes people are very rough and and sometimes you decide to engage or not, but I care more about how you engage, how you approach yeah. um, and before just sending another dick pic and getting to a, that back and forward that is just going anywhere. What do you think about um, the use of social media in terms of these Insta gays that just look into, I mean, don't get me wrong, Instagram can be also Grinders, Croft, and all Humble, Bumble, all the apps. Yeah, love combine them, combine them in one. Yeah, love Humble. Um, a, a good friend of mine works there, by the way. Um, so, what do you think about this type of use as a platform to to? I think Ooh. it's it's not great in that sort of the idea that like dating or getting to know people should be democratic and i feel like because follower count is so prominently displayed on top of the idea that we're 
showcasing curated versions of either our life or or the or world, we are. yeah, or, or or our version of the world. <clears throat> I feel like the idea that it's become kind of like its own sort of whether or not dating or sex app, it's just it's become a place to meet people. I've met so many friends and and you know, I have people in my life who I consider myself to be quite close with that I've never met. Yeah. Um who I have many people who I talk to daily on Instagram. That you never met <clears throat> before, like physically before. Yeah. Yeah, well it happened. Well I I met you thanks to thanks to Instagram as yeah. well and thanks to Twitter. Yeah. Uh and 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 I appreciate that part of social media as well. But you as a gay of course dick pics are part of your life or people approach you or you met with people, or you connect with people or you hook up with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, towards this, you know. Yeah, no, I I love a dick pic. I love a dick pic. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel for me, I try. So there's not a lot of distance between me on social media and me in person. One thing that I'll commonly do with people <clears throat> that will message me about something is I'll record a voice memo back to them. Rather, because like, for instance, the um, an editor at Food and Wine last night sent me um, a message in response to the news that the editor-in-chief of Out Magazine is stepping down, asking for my opinion about that. And I'm someone who I think fast, and so it's just easier for me to express my thoughts over a voice memo. But also, like, you'll hear the inflection in my voice, which I feel like is a more authentic representation of me and my opinion. And so I feel as though, for me, like, when someone is reacting to me on social media, it f doesn't feel incongruous to the human being of me there are other people who i observe who i might know on some level <clears throat> and i see a great distance between the human being that i know and the performance of this character i want to be careful to say i don't think that that's inherently bad no. um but i think it's worth talking about and marinating on and i don't feel like we <clears throat> not just as gay people or queer people, I don't think that we really talk a lot about the ramifications of this Instagram culture and the effects that it has on our mental health, but also on young people, our ability to connect with them. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there because one of my questions right now with you is like the fact of using thirst trap or these type of photos or naked photos or, or, or a photo of your bot out there um, to approach, for example, mental health. So uh, before, I think before, uh, let's say a year ago, a year and a half ago, I think a little more, um, we were used to use this kind of thirst, thirsty photos and then uh, put a quote from, I don't know, Pablo Neruda or something very inspirational about Mother Teresa or Buddhist or something like that, no? Um, so now people go to this curate, type of photo that maybe you are not almost naked but maybe you are very shirtless and you're talking about depression or you're talking about mental health or you're talking about a lot of things and uh, me as a, someone that also has been depressed and i was diagnosed with depression last year and i've been working my my ass off to not curate but to actually understand myself learn from it become a better person and know where my emotions are coming from and where a lot of therapy um, for me, it's a very sensitive topic. So I've been noticed, not lately, but a lot um, the last year, Instagays talking about depression, mental health issues, anxiety, and a lot of stuff with 
a photo of, I don't know, almost naked photo, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, so how do we approach that? How it is valid, it's not valid? Because um, uh, for one side, I appreciate the fact that they are talking about it. For, in one side, I appreciate that you are vulnerable enough to actually put yourself out there and say, hey, I'm dealing with this and this and this and this. But at the same time, you cannot tell me, hey, um, don't compare yourself to me because I'm not perfect. And then your photo is so perfect and you're so beautiful or whatever beautiful for me, for you can mean. But your photos are so curated and you have apps and your face is beautiful and you're young or whatever. But you're talking to me to actually not compare myself to you and you're using mental health as well. Like, I don't know, there's a whole culture there that I don't know how I feel about. And I know that you also have your your own perspective about because it happens and you have been reacting or sharing those thoughts. And so is the message get lost in one point because of the thirsty trap photo when you talk about mental health? Is it not valid that you're putting the words depression and mental health and anxiety and everything out there? I don't know. I'm losing focus here. (laughs) So I think that social media and mental health are strange bedfellows in that a lot of our efforts to discuss mental health on social media are in fact sort of perpetuating the very problem by, you know, engaging, making these conversations uh, things to be liked, to be valued. I... This is obviously a sensitive topic for a lot of people. I recognize that, and I'm very open to this conversation. Uh, You use the word vulnerability with regards to sharing one's mental health. And I, as someone who also has dealt with depression um, in my life, I sort of push back at this idea that sharing that we went through depression or some kind of trauma is inherently a vulnerable thing. I think by... By offering that perspective, I think that we sort of make it a brave gesture. It's kind of like in the same way with the body positive movement, how sometimes when uh, particularly women show off their stretch marks or their curves in some way, they're celebrated for being body positive as though it's somehow not just, rather than normalized. I think sometimes we overcompensate by celebrating things instead of just normalizing them, like mental health. And so I think the idea that anyone, whether it be an instigay or anyone sharing about mental health, the idea that is something to be rewarded is that power structure inherently is bad to me. Yeah, yeah, because in the same time, you are not... I mean, don't get me wrong, I follow up a a few of them, and I, I know a couple of them as well. And I'm not calling anyone out. I just wanna. I, 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 no, I know you will. Uh, but I, I, I want to understand the fact of yeah. And I read the comments. Don't get me wrong. I read the whole caption about it and, I, uh, and their journey and and and, and the mental health, etc. But at the same time, the photo is uh, them naked, basically as out, and and the comments then as well is yeah. A, giving applause for it so what are we are validating here the fact of that you're putting out there a message but the, the, the fact that you are your ass is just perfect and beautiful and you're out there in a very curate photo um like where is that line 
So I think that the th- so let's let's be specific yeah. here because I think there's I'm speaking about a specific person or sort of in this instance, which would be Barrett Paul, who's uh, an instigay who would call himself a life coach. Um, and I think in that instance, the and he shared a photo of his butt crack. It's him sitting backwards on a chair with his butt exposed, uh, the top of his butt, and with a long sort of caption about depression that included some statistics about depression, some misinformation, I want to be clear, um, within that. So that's another thing which is sort of a sub-conversation sub, sub within this, yeah. is this idea that we are looking to people that are propagating information that it might not be actually factually true, and there's no fact checkers, right? <clears throat> Okay, but that's a side issue. So with regards to that post um, and the sort of pushback that came from it, I want to I want to first sort of articulate what I think what I think or excuse me what I understand Barrett's defense to be because I think we, that's a, an important place to start. So I think what Barrett and I'm saying I think because I, I can't speak on his behalf. I think what Barrett would say and what I think he has said in subsequent posts is that in order to gain the attention of his following which is in the hundreds of thousands in order to gain their attention he uses that thirst trap to literally trap you and then bait and switch you into offering up what he deems important and valuable information about depression and mental health so i think that inherently he it's it's you know it's a method of advertising right that he is using and i get it it's completely valid i completely get it however it, i don't know i'm not comparing myself to him or to any other other one because also i got my names or mine we're not going after you i promise or maybe we, <laughs> we are in a, in a bit um it's just it's just the fact that i also as a uh, as a person that it was diagnosed with depression i got all dealing with anxiety and medicated and, and a lot of stuff i don't know i feel that let's not call, call it vulnerable but i'm not will put a message out there to raise a voice about something with myself naked i think my way right now to do is right now with you mm-hmm. you know like to raise that conversation about a, a certain topic yeah. you know but it, i have photos naked and and i have a bunch of them that i took two years ago, one year ago that I can put out there to showcase that vulnerability because we're naked. You know what I mean? You can you can be the contrast as well and you can give to your follow, followers what they want to see and showcase that. But again, it's crossing a line, I think. And I think the Barrett thing sort of became, it became a little bit of a toxic situation in that I, I posted on my Instagram story sort of calling, and, and Twitter, calling this behavior out which i see as being just kind of like the word i would use is gross to call it problematic is like giving it a lot more more weight than i even kind of would um but anyway i called it out someone sent it to barrett and barrett got very upset about it and very defensive and uh and then there sort of became this pile-on where a lot of people, some of them my followers and some random people, started going to the comment section and calling him out for, you know, for what I was sort of seeing as well. Perhaps they were seeing the same thing, um, not necessarily saying that they were inspired by my posting about it. That, to me, sort of was an unproductive uh, uh, twist in all of this. I didn't, 
I, I'm not adding him. I had no intention of him seeing it in writing it. I guess one thing I'm trying to learn more and more is in my mind, I'm just talking to my like 50 friends. And I guess what I'm realizing with this public platform more and more is that when I do say something, like I should I should do with the expectation that it will be seen by the person I'm talking about, no matter how yeah. how absurd that seems to me. Um, but with the Barrett thing, I started getting all these DMs about like, you know, drag him, expose her, blah, blah, blah. And I want to be clear that that gives me nothing. Um, my intention is quite clear, which is I want people to understand, I want my followers, I should say, to understand that these gestures are inauthentic and I want to, when I see it, I want to say something, right? Because uh, that's sort of the philosophy I live by. And, and, and one could argue, well, no one signed a contract with Instagram saying that there would be authenticity. And that's very true. I, I've, there's a lot that one could say about how my call out is um, mean spirited or, you know, Barrett would use the word troll to describe me. Um, and that's his opinion. And I certainly hold space for it. But I do think that there is, I definitely saw this wave from people of that it was refreshing to hear someone like, doing that be called out for it. And and I I don't necessarily want I think that there's something interesting about the amount of responses that I got praising me for doing that. And again, I didn't really see it as um I I I don't deserve any sort of attention or praise or anything for it, but there is something to be said about the reaction that it drew from so many people yeah. and how it was sort of validating to the way I think a lot of people were feeling about similar posts of that nature. Yeah, I think it's a very sensitive topic in terms of um, figuring out like what to do, how to do it, and, and, and the fact of what do you think it will be the, I don't know if the right line to actually showcase or to put out there a message like this, because it's not about only Barrett. It's a lot of people that are putting this message and using the thirst trap or using photos and and to get attention. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're talking about mental health. I appreciate it. What do you think it would be a nice way to do it? That's a great question. I, I don't necessarily have the answer. Maybe as... not, not, not the nicer one, but what do you think they would be more appropriate than just a photo of you naked and your butt out there, you know? Well, I would say that the your... So let's say you were to do like a text post with just the information about depression and or suicide rates that was included in the caption. That's still going to appear on people's grids, you know, uh, or on their feed. And despite the fact that perhaps more people might swipe past it. To me, if the intention is really about, you know, normalizing conversations around mental health, then the thought process shouldn't be about reaching the most people. It should be about reaching whatever people are open to seeing this or hearing about this or discussing it. I think the, so I think the idea of we need to get the most eyeballs on this is sort of like counterproductive to the very idea that it's just like, 
hey, I want to have a conversation with whoever's listening. I also think that this displays a uniquely a unique phenomenon I think is beginning now, which is what that comes down to is this feeling that though a lot of these people have these gigantic followings in the hundreds of thousands, they are not necessarily... I'm trying to think how to articulate this. There's something to be said about having intelligent followers, and I'm not calling their followers unintelligent by any measure. I, I follow... Uh, I, I followed Max Emerson. Um, but I think there's something to be said about that large number doesn't mean as much when it's not the right people following you. It's basically what I, all, all, all the time I said, and that's why maybe I switched a little bit more uh, since a while ago, or, mm, the image that I put about myself out there, you know? Um, it's not about the number of followers of the community, of the platform, that is what do you, what do you do with it, you know? Yeah. So people, and this is a, one of the words that I got a problem with it, the, the, the part of influencer. Mm-hmm. When you're an influencer for me, it's like, or when people call me, oh, you're an influencer, I am not. If I don't do something with my platform or, or, or something with what I have there, I'm, I'm not doing anything. So for me, the fact of, Max or any other that can have a big follower and you're not doing anything with it, it depends also of the quality of followers. And and, and don't get me wrong, since I start to post more about other topics, uh, getting more dressed or stuff like that, my photos, I've been losing followers because of course, and I'd rather lose in the followers that just want to see the thirsty ass, chest, whatever shirtless out there. And I'd rather stay with the ones that actually want to not know you more but at the same time connect more you know there's always going to be another chest yeah another dick pic another any of that yes that's why i don't engage and and we were and when you said that question for me it's not about dick pics it's about there's always a dick pic like you know what i mean yeah so so there's always a chest there's always another guy there's always Maybe it's not me, but there's always another guy that has a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand followers, which their photos are all the time in underwear or shirtless. Don't get me wrong, I have those friends, I respect them, I adore them. It's just I don't want that anymore, and that's that can be okay. So that's why I wanted to break down a little bit this topic with you because I know that you have a a, a very specific mindset about it, and. And I think there's no right way to do it. I think you can be no sensitive, but you can be, like you said, instead of putting a, a photo of you almost naked, put just a text message. So yeah. I, I agree. There's no wrong way. Excuse me. There's no right way. I do think there is a wrong way, though. So yes, I think that yes, I think that yes, that's yes, what I see it as. Yeah, and because you don't have a manual to actually put an information or to use social media. Like, you are learning in the way that you're doing it. You know? Yeah, and in the case of Max, so he posted a photo last week with him out. It was a selfie that he took at the Holocaust Memorial. And I saw the photo and I was immediately had a very strong reaction. Well, before that, uh, he posted a photo that he didn't took any photo in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And then he found this photo. Yeah. So. And that's interesting. So I posted about it saying, you know, 
the 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 idea of taking a selfie at the Holocaust Memorial. I don't want to. I don't even. I don't even have the mental capacity to get into why that's problematic. If you don't find it problematic, I understand that to be the case. Uh, I do. Well, also, it, it's very special um, uh, about you and in, in the fact of you're coming from uh, the family and 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 survivor from the from from that big episode of our culture. Yeah. You know. So yeah. It's, it's a very also sensitive, very sensitive thing. It's a sensitive topic for me as the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, but I actually, that to me doesn't even play into why it's offensive. And so I post that thing. Max then messaged me, DM'd me, and said, okay, so what's the problem? And I was trying to be really careful because, as I said, I like Max. I think he is a good human being. Um, and I welcomed the opportunity to sort of have a conversation about why this offends me and perhaps other Jews out there. And Max got extremely defensive and we kind of went back and forth and I kept trying to de-escalate because, again, my purpose for the post wasn't to have a fight or to make him look dumb. It was to say, this is not how you honor the six million Jews that lost their lives in the Holocaust. And then I felt like he kind of kept seeing it as an attack and he kept doubling down on it and it kept sinking lower so like the next morning he posted a photo of the Obamas at the Holocaust Memorial that had been taken by the official White House photographer for their records trying to make a comparison to say that no one criticized them when they were there and like the lack of like mental capacity I didn't that then it was like sort of at that point I was like okay like this we're, we're past this yeah. conversation and Max has since unfollowed me and no longer wants to speak to me which is unfortunate because I thought that he would be more keen to have a, have a conversation about it because in, in, in the way we can we can learn the thing is like we have a, a, an approach all the time as a human beings to feel attacked to feel and right away we are defend in the defense mode it happens in every single time it's not only social media it happens in relationship it happened with my boyfriend it happened with my own mother so so what do you think that we can do or uh, as a community to actually showcase more that hey you're doing something wrong or hey maybe the approach that you're doing right now is not the right one and actually people can be less reactive and more open to listen so we can find the right quotes way to post a photo when we want to call our attention about mental health or we want to showcase uh, such a sensitive topic in life. Well, Max would argue, as he did with me in the DMs, which was like, why didn't you say something to me privately versus putting me on blast? Um, and I thought a lot about that, and he makes a point. I don't dismiss that that could have been my approach. It wasn't my approach. I don't know if I would do it differently if I could, but I certainly think he makes the salient point. I think in terms of your question of, like, how do we uh, navigate this space, I don't think I don't think it's bad to call to publicly call out people that we think are doing dumb shit. Is it a better approach to message them privately? Totally could be argued. Um, I think what got me like really fucking worked up and ultimately sad and like I still am kind of have a difficult time with this was the comments in Max's post. I actually have more issue with like 
the commenters who were stepping in to defend Max being like, I didn't know about the Holocaust Memorial until Max posted this selfie. And and I just... Wow, seriously? And I, I don't... I'm not even... I don't even know how to... I don't even know what to do with that. Well, the thing, the thing with also these type of people is like, I think we are expecting when you have a following, uh, call it whatever, but when you have a following like Max or like me or like any other person that can have this platform, you're expecting a little bit more of responsibility or you're expecting a little bit more of something, you know? And then you have this fandom and I'm talking because I've been learning from that with um, my drag queen's friends when they're going these fans also are going or in defense or attack or something. So I think that happened right now with you and that situation as well. And, and and it's not ignorant. I'm not calling anyone ignorant, but at the same time, you're just attacking. And when you're just attacking, you're not thinking. Yeah. And also there were a lot of comments that were just like, this is so sexy. And that also happened with the, with the, when Barrett posted his depression post as well. And it's just kind of like, that to me like fundamentally underscores the very issue at hand which is this idea of like the message is lost like if someone looks at your depression post with your butt crack and their reaction is to say hot then like that's it right there and it's like that is that is the lesson yeah and yeah totally i i get it i've thought a lot about this and i think the best thing that people with a large following in the LGBTQ community can do if they really want to be a person that speaks about these issues. Because I want to be clear that it's like, just you can have a million followers and be hot and just post pictures of you being hot. I take no issue with that at all. At all. <laughs> at all. But if you are trying to position your brand in some way to be someone who speaks about mental health or bullying or, or whatever, that's a different conversation. And so to your question of like, what can, what's the right way to approach this? I would say use your platform to amplify voices who have made this their life work. So rather than do be posting statistics or what have you, or misinformation, point to someone and encourage people to follow someone who is doing the day-to-day work. I feel so strongly about that that. because that to me is productive. You are encouraging your followers to gather information from a source who is on the ground day-to-day thinking about these things, putting out information that is fact-checked, that that is their mission. So I just think the idea of adopting these really serious issues as for credentials, and I'm not saying that's the case with everyone, but I think it often is with some people, I think yeah, it is. is bad, but I think it can be done for good if it's just a matter of redirecting that attention towards others. I can now be more agreeing. Actually, I'm learning from you right now, and I have a lot of ideas now. Yeah, and I think there's the most famous sort of post that I think elicited uh, a huge response from our community was when Max posted a Trans Lives Matter uh, sign with him naked on the street. And I think that, to me, in so perfectly... It was a balance, right? It, it was kind of like a balance between uh, his content or his style, but also doing something else? 
See, I hate that post. I have a oh. very strong negative response to that. But it's interesting because you see it differently, and I think that's the that's the beauty of this very conversation. Yeah, but uh, it's not that I found it right or wrong, but I believe that in terms of content, in terms of thinking the way he can think or these type of people can think, I can think, or how how do you combine two worlds, or how do you combine your style or, or, or what your following is expecting to with at the same time something that you need to be put out there as a message you know but i I think sometimes two ideas are just inherently incongruous if trans lives matter to you and you have this huge platform of a million people then showcase some fucking trans people like it's not yeah exactly that's what i'm what i'm i think the idea of any making your platform inherently about you if that is the basis of the platform anytime you try to pivot towards an issue these it's going to be incongruous because the mission statement of your Instagram, the uh, the unspoken mission statement is me, 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 which again mm. is fine. But me, 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 me is incongruous with any issue about, you know, protecting trans lives, for instance, yeah. unless you are a trans person. Yeah, it should be a plot. Uh, uh, it should be accept. It should be uh, uh, give it applause because uh, this person. I'm not gonna say influencer. Um, it's just showcasing himself, maybe almost naked, but with these type of signs, and then people are going and coming and bravo and uh, wow, you're amazing! Wow, thank you so much! I thank you so much! And maybe we're not gonna realize never that actually there's another way to showcase that as well. Yeah, I think it, it being open to conversation is absolutely essential, but also it's just like, it's okay to not be an activist. I always say people will come at me often and be like, um, well, what are you doing for that? will be like the defense. Well, what are you doing for the community? Blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I always counter back. It's like, I don't claim to be doing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, if that's, if that's the argument, sure. But it's like, you are out here purporting to do something so if your defense is well what are you doing it's sort of like that's not really the you're mm, yeah. i see what you're doing but you're not good i'm the wrong one yeah i was talking with jiggly uh and that's another episode that is a previous to this one and you guys can listen to it after this one if you didn't uh hear her um episode and we were talking a little bit about how easy is right now that everyone is calling is called themselves activists you know if you're not doing something. And I know actually also someone, Marty, Marty J. Cummins, how vocal he is about actually people that call themselves, call themselves activists. And it's not lying. I, I, I do want to say though, because uh, you mentioned Marty, I think Marty is a great example of someone who does love the work on a daily basis love though. Him. Like Marty. On the field. Yeah. But so Marty's a great example of like, Marty doesn't put on activism when it fits that day. Marty is doing activism even when it's not getting him likes or getting him retweets. Marty is doing this because it is his life's work. And so if there's anyone- Invite him, invite um, Max, uh, any other person that is out there and I know, and I can bring a list and I know that you can make a list. Invite Marty about it, to have a talk or to be in the photo or to actually showcase his running for concert for, for in, in New York City or whatever it is to support that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a great example of boots on the ground. And so, yeah. If you have the attention right now to say, dear queer people, what you will say? 
I would say that one. I would say it's super important to have uh, an openness to feedback from people, to criticism, and to allow that to permeate your mind and inform the way you move forward. Um, Every new opportunity is a chance to course correct or to do better than you did previously. So I think respect and openness to feedback is fundamental. Second, I would say it's really easy to have a reaction um, and it's fun. Uh, But I would also consider taking a moment to let something seep in and to ask yourself if your reaction is authentic or if your reaction is a sort of performed habitual response to things. I feel like I deal with this a lot when I see Megan McCain do something on The View and I'll see something and I'll just like inherently like gasp and be like, oh my God, I have to clip this out. She's a dummy. And then like I'll go back and be like, okay, like I actually think this clip is funny but like she made a decent point here because actually one thing I feel very strongly about with Megan McCain is she makes a lot of very good points that get glossed over a lot because she also says problematic shit um (laughs) but it's just to say that it's like think about the performative nature of sharing content at all whether it be your content or other people's content and be mindful about uh how you respond to that because I think like whether your following is you know a hundred people or a hundred thousand people people see this shit and they form real life opinions about you based off of the way they experience you on the internet it's not even the internet anymore the way they experience you on social media yeah on social media and not only that in social media and also in life let's not forget that people also um tends to compare themselves to you in whatever it is so i think you're making a very good point about it and and i love the fact that uh we break down this together i love the fact that we have somewhere somehow similar and different points of view about this i love that we break down dick pics thirsty traps and we submit our culture into putting a message out there because in the end it's, it's just that it could be like i said ego but people don't realize that one is out is out and 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 maybe the intentions get lost where we can find you social media yeah if you feel compelled uh, <laughs> of course i'm at evan ross cats k-a-t-z on all platforms except for i don't do anything well excuse me i only do twitter Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> thank you so much, Evan. It was a pleasure. Uh, it was an honor. And thank you so much, guys. Um, Carlos Friend here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you like it, give it a five review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you love it, subscribe, follow on the other platforms. Thank you so much, Evan. I love you. Love you too. Bye.